Did you know there's a married couple who work together on the London Underground, even though one of them is dead? Welcome to the Pod 20. I'm Graham Mack, and my special guest this week is Eleanor Hamilton from the podcast Tales from the Tannoy, where she interviews voice actors. It's her voice that apologises for delays and tells you which stations trains stop at when you're standing on the platform. Eleanor, you run a voiceover business called Sayer Hamilton, and the Sayer is your late husband, Phil Sayer, who is the voice of Mind the Gap. I used to listen to Phil on Piccadilly Radio, where I grew up in the Northwest, and you met Phil while working in radio. Was that at Piccadilly? No, uh, and I wish that I had. I, it, that's one of the places that I wish that I'd have, have um, worked. But I'm uh, 25 years younger than Phil, so I always used to joke and say that well, it was it was true that he started at Piccadilly two years before I was born. So um, I was over, <laughs> I was over in Yorkshire. He was in Piccadilly, marrying a couple of people and having some children and whatever, and doing his thing. Um, but then I came over to Manchester University after I'd finished. I sort of had a, about three or four years working in radio. Wanted to go back to college and sort of. Just, I don't know. I, I think I was just a bit lost. Um, and then college said, you want to go to university, go to university. And I picked Manchester because there were so many radio stations in the area. I wanted to carry on working maybe weekends at, at, at part time and got a job at Tower FM in Bolton, which is just north of Manchester. And at the same time, Phil was doing um, a few kind of weekend gigs on Tower FM as well. Again, just to kind of keep his hand in because he enjoyed it. And we met and we we were on there was an hour between our two shows. So he was doing maybe, you know, two till five on a Saturday afternoon. I was doing six, six till 10. Um, and there was an hour where we, we neither of us were on air. And um, and we went out onto the uh, fire escape and had a cigarette break because we both smoked then and kind of exchanged life stories. And it was several months before we got together, but it was just one of those where we sort of used to work together and became friends and uh, more kind of, started to happen for reasons that neither of us had expected because of this massive age gap and everything else. We just thought we we would be friends, but there was more to it, it seems. so. And you'd already shouted at him before you'd met him though, hadn't you? Oh, I had, yes. Um, when I used to sit at Horsforth Station on... Um, uh, as a schoolgirl, <laughs> um, yeah, I used to sit there with the same friend actually that got me into radio. But actually, um, and I used to to get very cross with him for his pronunciation of Horseforth because he was the voice of the trains in that area. This is way before he was the voice of the London Underground. That's right. He was the voice of pretty much the entire rail network. I think when it was British Rail and all the the stations had an announcer, and it was always Phil. And I think Celia as well, who was he referred to as his railway wife, who sadly passed away earlier this year as well. She was a, a lovely woman. So where where there was Phil, and where there was Phil was the male voice, Celia was the female voice, and. Um, I'm not sure they ever met until years later, but yeah, they both had this. Um, this so, this gig. You, did you have any idea when you're having the sly Siggy on the fire escape that this was the bloke that you would shout at for mispronouncing a local no. town? Well, how did you no, find that fact, out then? What was that moment like? <laughs> I think it was when um, after we'd been together a while, and he came round to my flat in Manchester, and and I had a mind the gap sticker on, on the wall or a postcard or something that somebody had sent me. And he went, oh. Oh, I, I do uh, some of the, the the railway announcers, and I think that he had done a few mind the gap and underground announcements because some of the same companies. I don't really know how it works, um, but some of the same companies had the same announcements. So he said, "Oh yeah, I've recorded that," and I was like, 
no way. And again, I had that same reaction that everybody has when people find out what you do for a living. I was like, you've got to be kidding. And then realised he was the man that I'd been shouting at (laughs) routinely for many years (laughs) because of his mispronunciation of Horsemouth. Um, But you can't expect people, you know, it's, it's, there are thousands of station names on the network. So when you think about how many there are, he's going to get one or two wrong. It's just a shame it was my local one, but you know, never mind. Not many couples though, Eleanor, that have their first row before they've even met. Tales from the Tannoy is the name of the podcast and we'll see how it's doing on the chart in just a bit. The Pod 20 is heard on podcast radio on DAB in London, the home counties, Manchester, Birmingham and Glasgow. On demand in the USA at talkers.com, around the world on multiple platforms and as a podcast itself. Into the chart now. And at number 20, the Jordan B. Peterson podcast with the intellectual phenomenon Dr. Jordan Peterson and his daughter Michaela. 19. Law. Dark historical tales of mysterious creatures, tragic events and unusual places that fill the pages of history. Sometimes the truth is more frightening than fiction. 18. The Breakfast Club. The world's most dangerous morning show with DJ Envy, Angela Yee and Chalamain the God. 17. Sword and Scale, the true crime podcast covering the dark side of humanity. Murder, rape, dismemberment and cannibalism. The worst monsters are real. Number 16. Love Island, the morning after from ITV, the only official Love Island podcast. Number 15. The Diary of a CEO by Steve Bartlett. A few years ago, Steve was a broke university dropout, living in one of the worst parts of the country, alone, with nothing but a laptop and a dream. Fast forward a few years, and he's the 27-year-old CEO of one of the UK's fastest-growing companies. In this podcast, he shares his personal diary. Number 14. On Purpose with Jay Shetty. Fascinating conversations with the most insightful people in the world. Number 13, Behind the Bastards, the podcast about the worst humans in history. At 12, it's the former number one, Comfort Eating with Grace Dent. Grace's guest in the latest episode is the TV presenter, Scarlett Moffat. At number 11, Two Trillion Thoughts, which is hosted by Griff. Now, Griff, you and I first met at a radio convention called Morning Show Boot Camp in New Orleans in 2005. You were on the air in Atlanta at the time. At that time, I was on a hip-hop station, and all the urban morning shows was there. So Ricky Smiley, who now took over Tom Joyner's place, but a lot of people like that. And it was a mix because, you know, it's really weird um, um, in America, it's 320 million people in America, but it's only about 49 million black people here. So we're the minority, but in radio, we're even more of the minority. So going to morning show boot camps and you're there with country music people and rock people and uh, soft rock people. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was so cool to me. And I've been going ever since. Like I... Um, I'm, I'm talking my team now because we haven't been, of course, COVID last year, and I think they didn't do it one year or something, but they're having it again in August, and I'm telling my team we need to be there. It's in Chicago. It's, it's a big deal. Like, it's a huge deal for radio, and it taught me a lot. I was going 
when I wasn't on the radio. Like I was on the beach a couple times between radio gigs. That's a nice white people way of saying you don't have a job. I'm on the beach. <laughs> yeah. But I was fired a gang of times. So uh, I, there was no beach, but there was a lot of sand and dirt. And <laughs> but but you've managed to survive because you have multiple sources of income. It's one of the things that you, you worked out when you're in Atlanta. I think you worked that out. And you've done yeah. so much. Stand-up comedy, broadcasting. You're a writer, uh, a published author, public speaker. If you had to choose one of the things you do as, as the thing that defines you, what would it be, Griff? Well, I'm definitely a comedian first. Today, I celebrate uh, 26 years, two months, and five days uh, doing stand-up comedy. I wanted to be a comedian since I was three. Um, you know, uh, my gift, a lot of people think my gift is making people laugh, and, and but my actual gift is timing. I'm blessed with timing, so I'm always on a plane next to the dude who's about to start a new TV show and he's looking for an audience warm up or I'm in the bathroom with the guy whose brother owns a comedy club and you know my whole life like I mean even meeting you back then in 05 and we've stayed you know if, if I go to London I'm reaching out for you last time I was there you was on holiday uh but it's it's I've figured out that the whole world and our existence in life is all in relationships it's just all relationships. You're in a relationship with your boss. You're in a relationship with your coworkers. You're in a relationship with the people you go to school with. You're in a relationship with, with the people that you at a restaurant and eating at. You, uh, It's all relationships. So you just want to be, you just want to bring a lot to the relationship. How about that? Well, you certainly do that. And talking to relationships, you're a newlywed. Congratulations. How long now? Come on, man. I think I've been, I've been married. All, I think I'm seven months and nine days, dog. I'm, I'm almost seven months out here. I'm out here with the, with the heartbeat coming out my chest, cartoon style still. I'm so in love. Well, that must have been tricky during the pandemic. Was it all socially isolated? No, the event? You know what? Well, we was already... Um, she lived in Louisville, Kentucky. So she lived in, in Kentucky and I lived in Texas. So we was already social distancing for reals. Um, we saw each other every six weeks in two years. Um, in 2020, uh, I, because we weren't doing entertainment comedy, I was still doing radio, but I wasn't on the road no more. Um, and it just taught me how to concentrate on things that was important. And what was important to me was relationships, uh, having peace, um, and, you know, finding love again after a pretty hard divorce. So where'd you meet then if you're so far apart? Uh, on Instagram. And she was in my DM. She gonna say she wasn't. She loved to say, you know, all women and girls got way different ways. That, well, he was, you know, no, she was in my DM. DMing me on Instagram about something and we just I had got catfished a girl before her, right? I'ma fly to Louisville, Kentucky, home of Muhammad Ali, and see uh if she looked like her pictures. And then she did and we kind of just went from there. What do you mean catfish? What does that expression mean? Oh, catfish is when you know uh, you and a person be going back and forth on the phone, on the phone, and then you go meet them and they don't look like they pictures because they lying. 
They weigh 200 kilos. You know what I'm saying? You've been sending me pictures of this 48 kilo size girl, and you look like you ate that lady in the bar. So, catfish. Two Trillion Thoughts with Griff is at number 11 this week on the Pod 20. At number 10, Monday Morning Podcast. This week, Bill Burr rants about the final of the Euros at Wembley. Number 9, No Such Thing as a Fish, the award-winning podcast from the QI offices, where the writers of the hit BBC TV show discussed the best things they've found out this week. Number 8, Revisionist History, Malcolm Gladwell's journey through the overlooked and misunderstood. 7. Hidden Brain. Hear about the unconscious patterns that drive human behaviour, shape our choices and direct our relationships. Number 6. Tales from the Tannoy with Eleanor Hamilton. Eleanor, you're the voice we hear on trains and railway station platforms announcing stations and apologising for delays. In this podcast, you talk to other voice actors who have you spoken to that really stands out for you? I interviewed the guy who is the voice of Capital Extra. And because one, one of the things I realised during the Black Lives Matter movement, which of course is still ongoing and rightly so, was that there aren't many black people whose voices are known in the, in the sense of, you know, apart from Red Pepper, who I'd interviewed in episode six, there wasn't... The, do you know what I mean? When you, when you stand on a platform station, we, I know who all these people are and they all happen to be white middle-class people. So I wanted to find a well-known, a recognisable um, voice uh, belonging to a black person who could talk about the Black Lives Matter movement and why it was so important. And um, he's called Rio Atto Wood. And he was amazing because he was like, yes, I'm so glad somebody's asked me about this and I'm going to tell you. Um, and I think I kind of sat there like the, the well-meaning white person that I am, kind of going, I don't know what to say about this. So tell me what you're thinking. And he was he was brilliant. He was so eloquent and he just was was pleased to have an opportunity to to listen. So I I'd, I'd recommend that one as well as a as a really important listen. And um, we don't get too political very often. It's mainly just just stories and people's life stories, but um oh I'm trying to think who else we've got. Um, Mike Cooper who was on the BBC World Service and um he uh, contracted HIV about 20 years ago. Um and he talk very openly about that again it's a back, very back funny when it episode. was a death sentence back then wasn't it it's not yeah so much i now. think it was beginning to not be um, okay. so he was very very lucky that he he sort of got it if there's a right time to get it that's when he got it um the Della and Abby Phillips are uh, a sort of a mum and a daughter voiceover duo Abby Phillips is the voice of the um the hits radio network i think or it might be one of the Bauer stations. I'm not yeah. sure. Um, anyway, the, the, her big sister, Della's daughter, died in a car crash when um, probably 15 years ago. And that was, that was a heartbreaking episode, actually. That's not one that we, we got an awful lot of humour out of for obvious reasons. That was, uh, that was the only time I think I've ever, um, it, I've ever spoken to somebody and interviewed somebody and cried during the interview. Because really? it was just too wow. much. Yeah. It's a great podcast. It's Tales from the Tannoy with Eleanor Hamilton. It's at number six this week on the Pod 20. Five, Conan O'Brien needs a friend. After 25 years at the late night desk, Conan has never made a real and lasting friendship with any of his celebrity guests. So he started a podcast to fix that. Episode 134 features Weird Al Yankovic. Number four, Freakonomics Radio. 
Discover the Hidden Side of Everything with Stephen J. Dubner, co-author of the Freakonomics books. Number three, Stuff You Should Know. If you've ever wanted to know about Champagne, Satanism, the Stonewall Uprising, Chaos Theory, LSD, El Nino, True Crime and Rosa Parks, then look no further. Number two, Crime Junkie. If you can never get enough true crime, congratulations, you've found your people. And at number one, for the second week in a row, Pieces of Britney from BBC Radio 4, Pandora Sykes pieces together the life of Britney Spears. That's it for episode 64 of the Pod 20. Thanks to this week's guest pod stars, Eleanor Hamilton and Griff. Next week, my guest is Kevin Kautzman from The Art of Darkness, a podcast that looks at the dark side of creativity. Kevin, you host the podcast with Brad Kelly. He's in Detroit. You're in Minneapolis? I'm in St. Paul. Oh, you're in St. Paul, which is the Twin Cities, isn't it? Minneapolis and St. Paul. Have I just insulted you? I don't want anything to do with Minneapolis right now. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't know. No, I'm in St. Paul. We met in graduate school, actually. Uh, Yeah, we're both writers. I'm a playwright and uh, Brad is a novelist. So we met in Texas. uh, Yeah, in grad school. I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Is there a need for someone to have a a darkness and obviously we're talking this sounds this this sounds counterintuitive but darkness is a spectrum um is there a need for you to have a darkness to be creative i really like the the thrust of this question quite a lot and i'm thinking about one of my favorite artists uh david lynch yeah who I just, he's, uh, you know, a hero of mine. Yeah, yeah. And he has, uh, you know, that, that great book, Catching the Big Fish. And he would say no. Really? He would say, well, he says, in Catching the Big Fish, he says, you don't try to gather that darkness. Like, life is going to cause you to suffer enough. So don't don't lean into it. This idea, this this pubescent idea uh, that you have to kind of cultivate this dark side, you know, oh, listen to the cure and and uh, the Smiths and everything. Oh, we're going to really be mopey. Don't do that. It's like life is going to throw you curveballs and you have to make your don't cultivate it. So I think that, you know, the answer to your question is yes. But. That's the human condition. It's it's rough. It's going to be bad. No matter like anyone. Art is the thing that saves you from. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. the thing that saves you. Yeah. Right. OK. Yeah. I see. Yeah. So so are you saying then. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but are you saying then. You don't need to dwell and seek out the dark things but what you need to do to be creative is tap into them because they're going to be there anyway yeah catcher in the rye okay you just catch just okay. catch the catch the sadness yeah right and then and then and then do the work yeah i mean that's that's what it amounts to i mean that's my philosophy i don't know you know it's yeah been, 
And yeah. and is this the same for all forms of creativity? Like, say, for instance, to simplify it, drama and comedy? Oh, man, I don't know about that. <laughs> That's a lot. I mean, you you know, you're, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. I try, you know, when, when this was set up to do this, I was trying to think, you know, because I like to think of, you know, clearly you're a creative person because you're a writer. And I like to think I'm creative to a, a certain extent. And I, I wonder stuff that I've done, whether any of it I've, I've tapped into dark areas. And, and I, I, I was looking for an, a, a concrete example. And I think I found one. I was, I was on a podcast. I think it was about this time last year. I was talking to Piper Terrett and, uh, I was talking about my family and I have a, an interesting relationship with my, my family. And I had a, had some problems with, you know, family things, you know, sure. I have a dysfunctional family, which makes me totally hey. normal because there's no such thing as a, uh, as a functional one. And I was talking about my dad's funeral, which I never went to. And, um, <laughs> and I said something that made me laugh and I thought, well, maybe this is a coping mechanism. And it was cause it turns out that you know, my father was actually quite thrifty. And as it turned out, you know, I'd been on the phone to, what what, what had tapped this off is I'd been on the phone to my mother a few days before the, this podcast. And she told me, I said, well, where are, he was cremated, where are his ashes? And she said, well, they're still on the shelf at the funeral directors. And I said, and, and it turned out they hadn't paid the bill. And that's where he, he as far as I know, he still is. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah. so I had to mention on this podcast, you know, in a crazy way, it's what he would have wanted, you know, cause <laughs> <laughs> he, he, yeah. he, he managed to get a great deal at the very, he managed to not pay for his own funeral, you know, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that, uh, and, it, and, it, and I think it really did help me because, it, you know, the first thought is like, oh, I can't believe that. What the hell's wrong with this family? Just pay the bloody bill. But then I thought, no, this is good content. And <laughs> um, I just think, you know, sometimes it, it helps. And, and I know there have been other times, but I wanted to have a specific example that's there. Do you find that as a recurring theme with the Art of Darkness podcast when you look into people? Kubrick and obviously sure. someone like Oscar Wilde would be someone who had issues. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there are th these moments of um, real drama, which is my kind of my training. And like, you're looking for these moments of high drama. So Virginia Woolf uh, was diddled by her half brother. Right. And, and nobody has any clue. Did it happen? Didn't it happen? Oh my God. You know, and it's just going to define the rest of my life until I walk into a river, <laughs> you know. Is like, that what it was all about for her? That one thing? Well, I mean, it's that was that was part of it. Yeah. I mean, you can you can, you know, you can put lipstick on that pig all day, but it was not good. <laughs> that was not good for her. You know, and she, you have this weird scenario where it's like it's like a genius. Uh, Virginia Woolf was a was a genius whose parents were high IQ people. Yeah, yeah. We're talking like dictionary level, we write the dictionary level IQ people, um, you know, and like, 
just that happens to her as a child. There's the, this this weird, the greatest word that I learned, you know, in all of my education was chiaroscuro. This idea of like the black and the white, just this this high contrast stuff. Um, there was no processing that for her. Nobody, nobody took her aside and said, this is what that means. And you're going to be, a, you know, childless and all of it. I mean, it's just really actually pretty horrifying. I mean, the, the you know, the history of I thought about this stuff a lot, like the history of Europe over the past 500 years has been the history of this weird predatory abuse, Yeah, you know, that that the elites have sort of acted out on themselves. It's actually horrible. You know, she's I mean, what, and, and what, like, what, you, what, what kind of stuff do you mean? Just the like the sexual abuse, like the Freudian stuff. And yeah, okay. terrible. Right. Yeah. Like Virginia, right. she did. She didn't, you know, deserve what was like slap, like laid down on her. Did not deserve it at all. But I mean, she was just, she was a victim. So it's this funny, weird, psychotic thing that we're all just kind of trying to navigate our way out of now. You know. Yeah. She's amazing. Like the, I think about the way she committed suicide, walking into a river with yeah. rocks in her inner pants or in her, I don't even know what it was. I got to look it up in just absolute, the audacity of that, yeah. the, the rage, you know, yeah. the middle finger of that to the whole of society after writing everything she did. Yeah. Like I, I've written, I've written the greatest suicide note of all time. And now you will, you will hear me incredible. She's, right. I mean, yeah, she's, I think about, I think about her a lot. I am afraid of Virginia Woolf. <laughs> I am terrified of Virginia Woolf. I really am, man. <laughs> More from Kevin Kautzman and the Art of Darkness next week on the Pod 20. In the meantime, you can watch extended video chats with my guests on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel. And what will happen next week on the podcast radio chart? Will Pieces of Brittany be at number one for a third week? Will your favourite podcast be at number one? Find out with me, Graham Mack, and influence the chart. Make a recommendation at thepodcastradio.co.uk. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects.